Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey, gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me. So thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys have all had a good week, whatever it is you did this week. Now, if you take part in the Christmas ritual, traditionally, this week can be pretty hectic if you have not gotten all of your Christmas shopping done. You know what I mean? Or you haven't gotten it together before you leave town. Or you haven't, you know what I mean? All those, all those little things that if you kind of are a procrastinator, like I am, although I'm doing this intro on Wednesday, which is pretty good. I'm doing it a little early. Um, if you're a procrastinator like I am, you're going to end up uh, behind the eight ball on the Christmas uh, leading up to Christmas, running around frantically trying to find something for someone, trying to see if the Amazon thing you're ordering from is going to make it by Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? Like all those kind of hectic things. So if you're in that zone right now, if you're running around a mall listening to this, or if you're uh, sitting there listening to this on your computer ordering Amazon gifts, more power to you, man. I'm here. It's going to be all right. It's just Christmas, man. People just want to see you. They want to love you. Now, I do know there are families that judge you harshly for presents, but I'm not, I'm not going to visit that family this year. I'm going to uh, visit my family in Houston, spend some time again with them. Well, actually, just Christmas Eve and a little bit of Christmas Day because I got to get back to Austin and do stuff. Um, I got to get back to Austin. I got to do stuff. Anyway, I wanted to I want to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas and a happy holiday, whatever it is that you celebrate. I hope that you uh that you enjoy this time off and you do spend it with people that you care about and uh and that you get something out of it. I want to thank you guys for listening to this show. You mean a lot to me. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for all of this. 
Before we get into today's show, I want to quickly plug a couple of Skyrocket shows going on. Namely, if you're listening to this show the day that it comes out, Friday, December 22nd, Skyrocket is playing tonight in San Antonio at Sam's Burger Joint. Tomorrow night, Saturday, December 23rd, Skyrocket will be at Mercer Dance Hall in Dripping Springs. So if you live in the Texas Hill Country, Wimberley, wherever, come on out and, and see Skyrocket at Mercer Dance Hall. Then next Friday, we are back in Austin, Friday, December 29th at 310 ACL Live, one of our very favorite places to play. Come on out and check that out. That's going to be a great time. A couple of nights before New Year's. Get out before the madness. And if you live in Houston, New Year's Eve, Skyrocket returns for the second year in a row to uh, uh, Last Concert Cafe. Now, listen, the sand's gone. So you can wear your stuff. They got, they got, yeah, I know. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, the sand's gone. Yeah, the, the people used to just stand on sand and watch the band. But they got rid of the sand. They brought in some AstroTurf little weird still, but much better than sand. So you can come on out, hang out in the fake grass, watch Skyrocket, uh, and ring in the new year with us. All right? So uh, those are all the shows. You can find tickets by going to skyrockettheband.com and uh, look at our tour dates. And there'll be tickets for all, ticket links for all the shows there. So come on out, man. Spend a little holiday time with us. Listen, I do, wanna, I do want to wish you guys all a very happy holiday. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It means a lot to me. Um, if you're traveling, have safe travels. If you're shopping, be careful, dude. If you're, <laughs> if you're, uh, if you're whatever, man, if you're already with family and you're on a walk in the morning, we're going around your old neighborhood or something, walking by your old high school. Hey, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Hope you enjoy it. Gang, I have a great show for you guys today. Uh, singer songwriter Austin Mays. If you live in Austin and you go hang out at the Saxon pub, you know, Austin Mays, he works the door there a lot. But he's also an amazing songwriter. He just put out a great record this year called Bridges and Kerosene, produced by Chris Beal and engineered by legendary uh, power pop bro of mine, Ron Flint. Uh, you can find him at austinmaze.com. Bridges and Kerosene is a fucking great record. It features my friends Harmony, uh, Harmony Kelly, John Chipman, who I, I play with as well. So you can tell, like, they're all part of the, it's all part of the family. So I didn't really know Austin, but over the last couple of months, I've kind of gotten to know him, and it's been really great. He's a fantastic fucking songwriter. He is carrying on the tradition that was started by all of these great songwriters like Jerry Jeff Walker and Rusty Weir and BJ Stevenson and Walt Wilkins. He is a storytelling songwriter uh, with an acoustic guitar and a band. Now, he's not just an acoustic like singer songwriter guy running around. He also plays trumpet and he plays with a lot of bands. He played with uh, the great American box boxcar chorus for a while. And uh, he does a lot of different stuff. You can find him at austinmaze.com. Check out this record, Bridges and Kerosene. Absolutely fantastic. Gang, if you want to see Austin play, he'll be playing January 9th at the Saxon Pub. And as I said, go to austinmaze.com. I really had a great time. Really had a great time getting to know Austin. He's a sweet dude from Texas City. Uh, and grew up here in Texas and got like met Rusty Weir at a pivotal time in his life. It really influenced him a lot. And uh, I've always been a really big fan of Rusty's. I remember when he was alive and he used to play the Saxon pub, my ex-wife was a fan of his and kind of friends with him. And that's how, that's how I met him and went to go see him a lot. He was really cool. Uh, fucking Austin's really cool, carrying on that tradition of those singer songwriters. And, uh, I guess without further ado, listen, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Be safe. Uh, I hope you're with people you love. Uh, I'm thinking about you. And without further ado, this is my conversation with the great singer-songwriter, Austin Mays. Let's get down. 
living life on the road I ain't got no place that I call home But I gotta say it's been a good run Chasing trouble with a double shot of fun My mama, she done told me I may have lovers You know, both Dropbox and, uh, and YouTube, you can slow stuff down. Yeah, and it stays in tune. Uh, well, yeah, and that's it, it's just a great time to be alive. But and then, <laughs> you know, you can go and see. Um, well, and you know, it's funny. It's uh, one of those songs that I learned was uh, "London Homesick Blues," the mm-hmm. old Gary Nunn, and he actually played. I think the week after you or something. He did. Yeah, at uh, at the Kimmy Rhodes thing, and you know, to me, like that is my my favorite song of all time. Oh, my yeah. parents, we would wake up on Saturdays and they'd have music coming from downstairs and yeah. days that started with that song were the best in my memory. And you know, you they had the record and you'd hear that little scratch trying to get back to somewhere eight seconds in or yeah, something. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Finish your story. No, eight seconds in or so. And you know, wherever you just hear the scratch of them wanting to play that song over and over. And um, then when the CD come out, they just, you know, oh, yeah. put it on repeat and so i went and, uh, actually this summer I, f- I played a festival and i forgot that the los gonzo band the original band behind that with gary nunn uh they were playing right after me with and bob and gary and well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh it was and uh is it freddie well gary wasn't drums? there freddie steady freddie steady and bob and i think chip dolan was on keys oh yeah, I love yeah. Chip. and so I get I'm I forget that they're playing. Yeah, yeah. And there's there were so many Lost Gonzo iterations, right, the Lost right. Austin band, but now it's uh, Gonzo Compadres. And so I, I was kind of struggling early in the day. These people were kind of settling in, and I wanted to get their attention. And that the song that I always play for certain crowds to get them is that song. And so I did that song, and everybody in the place sang along every word. And then I got off stage and I saw Bob Livingston and I was like, oh, man, yeah. I did not realize that y'all were, I forgot y'all were here. <laughs> you played their song before they played. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Chip came up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bob's like, well, at least we ain't got to do it now. I, I, I was in a band in that, in that band Gaudi and we played this gig in Oklahoma City and there was a band and we were sitting in the backstage and I was like, wait, the opening band was, I was like, wait. Is this our song? <laughs> it's the fucking song I played on Halloween. That song, Julia. Yeah. I was like, is it? Are they? Are they? They're playing our song. Mm-hmm. And like, we were like, who the fuck does that? That's the weirdest. <laughs> we're about to go on and play. Yeah. And then the guy came up, and he came up like, did you hear it? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> he was all excited. At least you had some kind of remorse. Yeah, no, and and they they and and Bob was like, well, we ain't got to play it now. But back to the whole ultimate guitar thing, like, yeah, I, I, uh, Chip came up and was like, well, you didn't play the chords right, but what you played was great. So keep doing what you're doing. Right, uh, <laughs> and like, there was a part when I missed the chords, but you know, I think it. I haven't changed it, but you know, they ended up doing getting by. Yeah, just getting by on getting by instead of the homesick blues. But you I know. gotta. Uh, I got I got I'm glad that you brought up Gary P. Nunn because uh, one thing I did notice from your music and also uh, from what I read about you and there's a couple of like specific things I want to make sure that I that I get from you, but but uh, you, you come you're in that tradition, 
mm-hmm. musically. Yeah, that, that's what I grew up on. My yeah. mom would play not only Gary Nunn, but B.W. Stevenson. Sure. And, and, uh, but, but we all grew up, even yeah. like me, who ended up like way more into Duran Duran. I would still begrudgingly go with my mom to those shows. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Like I saw, I saw Shake Russell from the time I was like 10. Yeah. You know, and I, I knew you've got a lover. And like, uh, like those are some of the first songs I learned on guitar and stuff. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that uh, London Homesick was one of the first ones that yeah. I tried that had minor chords in it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to figure it out somehow. And you're a big Jerry Jeff guy, too? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think you can grow up listening to that scene without being a Jerry Jeff uh, fan. And I played a show with Jerry Jeff once, and I've, uh, you know, everybody knows Django in town, yeah, yeah. his son, and... Um, so it was really, you know, that was my favorite song and it was weird because it's the, it's a Jerry Jeff Walker song, but it's not because Gary Nunn sings it on the record. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I was actually at a Jerry Jeff Walker concert when I decided to leave classical music behind, um, because oh, so, you started on classical music? Yeah, yeah. I was a trumpet player. Oh, right, right, right. Of and uh, I joined the union at 17, was gigging out with orchestras and jazz combos and st- things like that. And then, uh, you know, I was just practicing. I was at U of H practicing for four hours a day on transposition and stuff and just really, really in the nitty gritty. Are you really badass? Well, I was first chair all state, and yeah. I do a lot of studio work. Well, also uh, you you played with that band, the Great American Boxcar Chorus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so I I do a lot of trumpet work, and so I I go in. I'll either do remote, like I just did something for uh, people out of Nashville that are doing a Christmas song. I just got on and did a little bit of horn. Awesome. Sent that over. I did Mike McClure's last record uh, out of Oklahoma, but it was during the pandemic, so we did it remote. And, uh, yeah, I, I play on all kinds of stuff. And, uh, but anyway, I was a trumpet player. Do you uh, keep your trumpet there at the Saxon? I always have a trumpet. Yeah. Okay. I always have one in the truck and I have, I a, swear to God, the next time I play and you're there, you're right on dude. Playing. Like, yeah, just, man. You can just freestyle, right? Yeah, of exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. People don't Jazz need guy. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to tell me the keys. Okay. Like no, I, I figured. just, I just step up and go play, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's really the difference between a classical horn player and a, you know, pop legit versus pop what we would call it or legit versus mainstream is the e uh sorry f sharp and b are the keys that you live in on trumpet right because it's down a step uh from from concert we're getting really deep into this but basically those are the the two hardest keys for any trumpet player that they never play right are the two keys that you're in all the time because everybody plays in in a right yeah. And, uh, and E. And, e. Yeah. and so you're in F sharp and B, which yeah. are the hardest. So that's what I pick up the horn and play. I play those scales wow. right away. Okay. But anyway, I was at a Jerry Jeff concert and um, I was like, man, what am I going to do if the world pisses me off? Am I going to go play the Brandenburg Concerto differently and everybody's going to understand where I'm coming right, from? Right. I, I just, I think that very similar to what Todd Snyder said was like, man, I could do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or yeah. I, you know, yeah. And I, yeah. I mean, it does, it does take a, a natural, like, I, it's funny. I did this record and I had the Tosca strings play on it. Mm-hmm. You know them? Mm-hmm. And like, uh, <laughs> it was Lars Gorenson who was, who was mixing it. And he was like, hey, you know what? We should probably put strings on these like three songs or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, uh, I was like, cool, let's call him. I'm friends with him. 
And he's like, no, you got to get like charts for them. And I'm like, they can't just come in here and just figure something out cool to play. He's like, no, dude, they're like, <laughs> they're like classical. And to me, it's so weird because I, I got into this whole thing for the freedom of it. So yeah. I can't even fathom like being a classical musician or being like an opera person. I mean, I'm in Skyrocket. That's a cover band, but you're essentially like a, in a cover band for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you're looking at that sticker. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just looking at, he's got a fuck cover band <laughs> sticker up yeah. on the wall and I'm like, what? Uh, no, it's, and that's the thing. It's you're there's, there's, there's art and there's art. it's art. But as a classical player, you're more of a cook. You're not the chef. You so you're the line cook yeah. making it exactly the same every yeah. time. Yeah. And the person whose interpretation is, is the guy in front of you yeah. conducting. So, you know, nobody, it's, it's a very thankless sort of a thing outside of the classical world. Yeah. Um, but what I love about the classical world is, I forget whose quote it is originally. I think maybe Picasso or somebody. It's like, learn the rules like an expert so and you then can break, break them like I'm yeah. artist, you know? And yeah. So I know what's going on when I'm playing, but I don't need, you know, I, I've got that advantage where I can walk into the studio and we can have, right. we can have, sheet music we can have charts right or we can you can hum something that you want me to play yeah or what i really like to do is we'll sit there and we'll play the song a couple times i'll do a couple passes and then we'll zone in on what we really like you know yeah. and hey let's do this and let's add another part there or you know and then one time i was playing a song that was supposed to be like a mariachi style uh-huh. and they're like man that take was perfect and i'm like no play that part again no 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 let's redo that harmony note because no mariachi band would ever play that you know you, yeah, you've yeah, got that you got ear, ear for what we yeah. would play as a horn yeah. player but you know stepping out and actually using words and being literal about things right. is what i was drawn to it's funny cuz anybody that would just hear your music and meet you there's a certain sort of like of most classical people there's a certain kind of like uh yes uh how would we Pretense. say it um, well elegance Elega- i was, gonna, oh, I was gonna be a little nicer yeah. oh <laughs> not that you're not an elegant person but you're like a dude you know what i mean nothing about your music makes me think that you were ever a classically trained <laughs> trumpet player well and but, i but, think yeah by the way really quick uh, Bridges and Kerosene is a fantastic record. Thank you. I want to say that before we forget to talk. About Thank it you. Until Thank the end. you. It's really great. Like your songs are fantastic. I wanted to ask you a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, I love Chris Beale and I adore Ron Flint. Yeah. He's one of my heroes. Man. He's well, and he's probably, you know, every time that he and Scrappy and Walt Wilkins play on Wednesday, I'm like, Wait, they play every Wednesday? Well, they Walt plays every Wednesday, right. and he has uh, most times he has Scrappy Judd on guitar, Ron Flint is, on bass, okay. and Chipman on drums. What is wrong with you? That's amazing. Yeah, and and so it's like uh, it's like a four man coolest guy in Austin pageant, Jesus. and it ends in a tie like every week. Those yeah. guys are the coolest dudes, you know. And so I get to see that, or he'll you know he changes it up a little bit because everybody has gigs. But right now they're doing this this jam thing where it's it's called the Common Grackle Coalition, I believe is what they like the the pet name for that. But uh, yeah, so. Um, I forget where I was going with that. I just, that, that, uh, Oh, Ron Flint. Ron yeah. Flint, Ron yeah. Flint. And that was the best part about recording was that after we did the main tracking, uh, we had, we had to go do vocals and Chris was Chris Beal 
has a great studio. He's like, hey, man, we can do this at my house or whatever, save on costs. I'm like, no, man. Every time that we did a take, I would see him and Ron talking behind the glass. I'm like, I need that. You do? I need that. What? There's nothing I hate more than singing into a microphone and then a bunch of motherfuckers behind a glass saying shit I can't hear. Yeah. And like nodding no and like laughing. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Well, and, and you have to trust. You have to like Ron, but Ron Flint and Chris Beal yeah, yeah, aren't going to do me like that. Yeah, and yeah. so, but but what I realize is that it's like having a co-producer in the room. Sure, he brings ideas. Yeah. and so I I did everything there. I didn't leave that studio, Jumping Dog Studios, his yeah. studio. Yeah, yeah, Ron's studio. And he, I would walk in, and and Ron would be sitting there waiting for everybody, just reading Rolling Stone, having a cup of coffee. And he'd be like, hey, man, you need to check this out. And he'll play, play like Anderson Pack with Bruno Mars, the Silk Sonic record. God damn, that record's great. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was, it, and so I'm just sitting there in the control room vibing on that song. And Ron Flint, who, uh, you know, is ageless, is, I mean, he's timeless in his music. Like, he still has his thumb on the pulse of what's going on. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, and that's just great. Um, cool guy. But yeah. anyway. And Chris Beale's amazing, too. I don't want to just shower Ron Flint with well and Chris Beale has this idea has ideas that help move the songs forward you know I basically brought him acoustic songs Uh, some of them didn't even have breaks in them for solos because I just didn't care about that but while I was writing them uh, I wanted to flesh it out in the studio and um, but he had that drive to understand what needed to be done, what we could cut, you know, helped with the arrangements a lot. And then the guy can play anything on guitar. Yeah. And he can do it all. He just only does what the song needs. So, like, you'll see him sometimes, and he plays three notes on accompanying somebody, and it's the perfect three notes. And I understand that because... um, Scrappy and Gabe and guys like that well, are like that too. Man. Yeah, well, and growing up as a horn player, you yeah. can't be a noodler. No. Like, you, when in doubt, lay out, and yeah. less is more. 100%. You know, I mean, there's so many times where it's bump, bada, or just swells. I Most yeah. of the things I do in rock bands and country bands just swells below, or what pads are what they're called. Yeah. Just where I'm doing harmonies and adding a little bit more volume to the sound. And so, yeah, it's... Do you ever play in a... Uh, section not as much now but i can yeah uh, i mean i can i can you give me a week i can play anything on horn yeah. <laughs> we uh in skyrocket we've got some show coming up but we're doing it with the groove line horns oh yeah Every dude year or so or two years we get something where they're like hey can you have horns yeah dude that's and then i have my job's gone because i put all the horn parts on keyboards right <laughs> yeah. well, you're that guy no, yeah. I'm just <laughs> sorry <laughs> I just like to tell people, you know, they're like, hey, we're going into the studio next week. And I'm like, I love what you're doing. It sounds great already. It just needs more trumpet, I can tell. That's right. It just needs a little bit more horn. (laughs) Mm. So you also had Harmony and Mm. Chipman. And who else did you get? So we had Harmony and Chipman and uh, Rich Brotherton did mandolin on one of the tunes. Uh, Jeff Queen on steel. Uh, Janae Fleener out of Nashville on fiddle. She just won her fifth straight uh, CMA for Musician of the Year. Wow. Yeah. She's the first female to ever win it. First violinist in 20 years. Yeah. 
five years in a row now. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, she did Aerosmith's record right after she did ours. And I just, <laughs> I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, Janae, can you do this? Do you know her or did you? Um, just mainly through socials and through networking sure, sure, and stuff sure. like that. Um, I'd, I'd met her a few times, but it, it, she wouldn't remember. It's not that right. kind of thing. But she's, uh, yeah, she's the best. And so we had her. Then we had... Um, J.J. Placencio played a little bit of cello on there. I played trumpet, of course. And uh, I, um, uh, we had Walt and Tina Wilkins came in, did some harmony vocals. Um, I'm, try- I'm forgetting somebody. Ron No, Flint, but that's just Keys. such a great... Yeah. Uh, just such a great lineup, such a great family of musicians, like part of our family. It's yeah. like a family record. Yeah, and th- that was the how it felt because I've you know I've grown up around those people. Like Harmony and John were on my first album, the one that I did back in 09, 08. No shit. Yeah, yeah, back back in the day, and so I told him, hey, we're getting the band back together. And um, you know, Ron Flint. What's play- that record? Hold on, hold on. Don't say it because I like the name of it. It's called. Uh, Oh God, where is it? It's in my the devil on my shoulder. Devil yeah. on my shoulder. Devil yeah. on my shoulder. Yeah. So we did that, and they were on that record, and I had them back for this one, and then we we added, of course, a few more folks. But I mean, I basically so, grown up my adulthood around Walt and Tina and 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 Ron and all those folks. Yeah, that's a great people to grow up around. Yeah, I mean, it's you know you you come into Austin. Uh, well, you grew up here, but when, I didn't. Oh. I mean, I I came up here. I didn't grow up here. Though. Oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, anyway, you come into Austin and, you know, as a young dirtbag type musician, you know, not figuring things out, not really, didn't really have any stories to tell either. Um, I was fortunate enough to link up with them early enough to like, uh, because Johnny Gringo who played guitar in Walt's band was my original producer on that, that record. And he brought me into the fold. And so coming around all these great songwriters, it was very intimidating for a while. Um, and so I didn't put a record out, but I raised my standards quite a bit. Yeah. And um, so that's why I, I cut a lot of stuff I was working on and just like, that's trash, that's trash. But eventually, while being intimidated and not, you know, not putting out and recording much, I came out with the songs that distilled over time into Bridges and Kerosene. So that was kind of like my coming out again, you know, as a, as an adult songwriter. And now I'm, I'm working on new stuff all the time now. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. I, I, it, it takes, it takes a lot to step back. Yeah. Especially like in, you know, when you're in, when you're in a, in a local scene, part of being a part of that scene is, being seen out you yeah. know when you're out but you have to step back sometimes and re revamp yeah recalibrate reconstruct, recalibrate and you can't you can't gradually do it you, you can't it's like some some things you can't develop in front of people right and the thing that i always tell people especially when they're leaving the business is like hey man stage is always going to be there when you're ready, if you're ever ready for it again, when you're ready for it again, it'll be there. Like there will always be people that need to hear music and there'll always be spots for cats that come back, you know, like, um, Rusty Weir's son, Kobe left, came back, you know, they just, you know, so many people that you've probably, you've probably left for a few years and come back. No, you've always, I'm not fucking around, man. Yeah. I didn't think I mean, I'm not fucking around. Like I can't, I don't, once I, once see that picture, that guy, with the lady with the glasses that's yeah, my mom yeah. that's me 
I'm that's nineteen eighty three. I'm fourteen at my first gig with my band at Kayla's birthday. <laughs> wow, dude. But like that guy like once I once that happened, I was just like, I'm the fuck else is there? This yeah. is the best thing in the world. Like I love writing music. I love hanging out with music. I like talking, talking to musicians. About music, I yeah. like I just like being surrounded by music and music people. Well, and that's what I've found. Uh, you know, I worked in a in a fairly yeah, in the same thing. Yeah, I did. I did a corporate sort of gig for a while, and I was really good at it. But I came back to work at a company just to make enough money to make a record because I yeah. didn't want to ask people for funding yeah, yeah, because I didn't. Yeah. yeah, and so I went back. I did that. The pandemic came. So this was six months before the pandemic. Right. Pandemic came, worked remote, got promoted two or three times over the pandemic, and then got the money, made the record split. And uh, now I work a couple nights a week at the Saxon Pub as the door guy, and I get to see everybody. Like, I get to see you on a semi-regular basis, sometimes more than, a, you know. We also, it's that. You were you. We were talking about that uh, Halloween night show. Yeah, and those nights remind me of. Uh, I think I posted about it. Like they remind you why you're, like you're part of a family, part of an actual community of people that that are there. Yeah, you know that a bit that are in your corner, mm-hmm. and they are like family. Like Guy Forsyth is like my weird cousin. I love. You that know guy. what I mean? Yeah, me too. That guy. That oh, guy. Uh. But like now, you know, after a while you go through people, all of a sudden you've been knowing these people for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Now I'm like, you know, there's people, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've known like, I've known Grissom since I was 16. I'm 55. Wow. He's, in fact, (laughs) I was at, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it might've been the ARC anniversary party or something, but Kevin Womack, uh, and Grissom were talking and he said, I don't know. Uh, the kids will know. Hey, Johnny. And I was like, dude, I'm in my 50s. I'm no longer like this little guy <laughs> I'm not anymore. the kid, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm like older than you guys were when you were old to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I've, I've had a couple of moments like that. I walked into a rehearsal with these guys and like, oh, man, we're so old. And yeah, I, go, yeah. I remember when y'all were middle aged. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, every night, you know, that's the thing is we're always ships passing and the community that we have can't always see each other. We're always working other places when everybody's working. Right. You know, we're we're not all on the same bill every night. So when you have a group thing like that where you did, you had 15, 20, 15 artists. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. One song, one person per song. It was just great. But like when you have that, then the real hang the real gig is hanging out and getting to trade stories and like pirates best. and smugglers and, yes, you know, the best plotting and scheming My favorite benefits too. like, I, I like to do a benefit or two a year because I know that that's a Sunday where everybody's going to be just hanging out and swapping stories and trading and things about that. Yeah. You walk out of that, especially that I did that, that Monday night with, with the only guy I didn't know was Rick Richards, who, by the way, Jesus Christ, yeah. that guy's a fucking amazing yeah. drummer. Oh Yeah. But like those two nights, like every both nights when I walked out of there, I felt like my soul was enriched, not just from being able to do the music, but to but to have that exchange with people that you just love. Yeah. And they love you, too. And yeah. And and so like with that, the ships passing in the night thing, I am at a place three nights a week where 
I am in the water steady and I get to see the ships. So I yeah. get to connect with everybody and I get to, I get to see so many people and I get lots of networking out of it. I get a lot of gigs out of it. You know, it, it comes up like, yeah. Hey man, I got something that needs horn on it or Hey man, I got a slot that could you fill it? You know, and that's um, that I, I worked with Austin music foundation up yeah. until whenever they pressed pause, like earlier this summer, but they, uh, for years you do these consultations with people and there's people that are like, Hey, I emailed this band and said, Hey, can I open for you? And I was like, Why would do, you... do you know them? Yeah. Like, no, they never email me back. Yeah. Cause you're a stranger asking them for a favor. That's just weird. Like what, when you go places and connect with people, if you really like the band, there's nothing wrong with going up and being like, fuck, I love your band, man. Can I open for you guys? Yeah. I'm like, shit, yeah, dude. What's your band, you know? Yeah, and it, I always tell people, they're like, how do I get gigs, man? I'm like, you go to gigs. Like, you get gigs by going to gigs. Like, there was a guy that had asked me, I, I put together a semi-regular Saxon songwriter series where I bring in three other writers and we just do swaps and you know introduce them to the, mainly people that don't play at Saxon because it's introducing new people. Sure. And so this guy messaged me when I announced the first one. I hadn't even, we hadn't even played it. I want to get in on this. Hey man, can yeah. I get on that sometime? And I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. You know, and uh, dude showed up to the first one. And so I got in my car and I listened to him and he was fantastic. Yeah. J, uh, it's, uh, dang it, J.R. Care. Hold on. Anyway, J.R. Tully. T-U-L-L-Y, and he's in the Dreamland band out in San Antonio. Dude is fantastic. So he showed up. I listened to him. He was on the next one, you know? That's awesome. Because if you show up, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. You yeah. got There's a couple of things. You got to not be an asshole. You got to have, you got to practice and have talent. And then the rest of it is just showing up. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, when you get not to- Not be your, an asshole is pretty big. It's huge. It's so um, huge. Because if you think about it, like, people in the you know in the day walker day job world like there are people that you would not associate with if you didn't have to yeah. there are people that are not coming to your barbecue they're not coming to your wedding shower whatever but in the music world it's like who's good who would fill this slot and who do we actually want to hang out with yeah. you know so many times i yeah. have people jump on my gigs and we split the money but it's worth it for the hang yeah man you know? and, Shit, yeah, yeah dude and not monetarily so. That's all reci reciprocity. I don't keep score. I just put out good things, and and you know they it tends to come back to me. Like I'm here, man. I'm I get to be on the on the where did where, how did I yeah. get here? How did I get here? Whatever the fuck this sorry, show's called. Man, I'm, show. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the fuck this show's called. Uh, how did I get here? You know, it's funny. As I was listening to it on the way over here, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just talking. Um. That's all right, man. I, I don't. I, it's the, just the fact that you listen to it. You don't. I mean, I don't know the name of half the shit I listen to either. Mm -hmm. That's actual truth. I just I listen to Johnny Gowdy. That's thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's well, what. Well, you it know is. what, Dale Dudley told me that that's what I needed to make this show because he said I was a, a really lively and exciting person, but I sounded like someone just died every time I was on the microphone. So I did inject my own personality yeah. into the show. I was scared to at first, but that's. That's what he said. That's, who he, that's where he said the magic was. All right. Uh, before we go to Texas City, tell me, uh, uh, I, I saw the video of you playing on the news, playing that song, Just a Cloud by Rusty Weir. Mm -hmm. I loved Rusty Weir. Yeah. I loved Rusty Weir. Oh my and uh, my ex-wife, when we first got together, she was bros with him. 
And so we used to go to the sax and, Rosie, stop it. Hey, hey, you're chewing an electrical cord, man. You got to stop. He's got the cutest dog here. Yeah, she's a Chomping stuff. Yeah, she just ate an electric board. Yesterday she ate someone's CBD. Uh, oh, I've got one. And we've got a little vibration collar coming. No shock. Just oh, vibration have, and sound. I got the shock collar. And oh. I just, I tried it on myself and I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. And it. so I got the no shock. And basically we're going to reinforce uh, with treats. That's but, what I do with the with that spray thing. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and and the whole point is just trying to get their attention because they're so one track. If you buzz them, you'll yeah. break their their stranglehold. But yeah, so Rusty Weir. Yes, Rusty. So Weir. you said that you're so my ex wife, and so we yeah. used to go and see him at Saxon, and and I, I kind of got to know him through her. But I always used to refer to him as Tex Jagger. <laughs> it was just this amazing. <laughs> He had this phenomenal sort of like uh, uh, ability to project this insane sort of like rock and roll swagger. Oh yeah, but when you know what I mean, he yeah. just he was cool. Man. He was like a rock. Star. If you walked into a room and didn't know he was a musician, and somebody said, "There's a musician in this room," that's yeah. the guy right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, somebody told me, you know, and he would he would wear these cool shirts and whatever to the shows, and he'd be like, "Man, you got to look like you're not the regular people." And yeah. I'm like, "All right, I subscribe to that. All right, I, I dig yeah. that. So I'll I'll stick a like a bandana in my back pocket or whatever, you know, just a little flare." But uh, yeah, Rusty Weir. So the, fir- the first night that I, well, I first moved to Austin in double lot six, so 06. And, um, you know, I came here to be a writer and to figure out music and all that. I knew I wanted to do it. I probably only had a handful of songs. And, um, but I came here to do that. But I worked for a company that had three people. Two of them were married to each other. So I didn't have any coworkers or friends or social, you know, I just had some cousins and stuff like that. And after about four or five months, I, I reminded myself what I came here to do. And I said, you got to do something every day that a songwriter would do either write songs, practice or book shows or go to open mics. And so obviously you can get caught up in the practicing and writing and never do the actual playing. Yeah. There's a lot of cats that are great writers and never, never play a gig, yeah. you know, and they talk about what they're working on, but they never perform it. But so I got up and I looked at the open mics.org, whatever. I think it's still there. And I looked at, looked up the open mics and Pooties Hilltop out there, uh, on 71 yeah. was the one that came up. And so I went there and Pootie was there. He was wearing a, Marilized League of Wana shirt. Uh, <laughs> those of y'all that don't know, Pootie Lock was Willie's road manager for 30 some odd years. But yeah. And so uh, he, he I get up there and it happens to be a busy play, a you know, busy night, but not too many musicians. So like they would kept telling me, do another, do another. And I'm like, man, I'm out of songs. So I did a B.W. Stevenson song. Wait, let me real quickly, which, which, what was B.W. Stevenson's don't pull your love out on me. No, baby. he did, uh, my Maria. Oh, okay. And, my, uh, my, my. good love, Shambhala. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. love's like a yeah. good, you know, my favorite song though was on my own. And, uh, I don't think that that's digitally available, but that my mom and I would listen to that and we'd put the nickel tape to the top of the so record skip, stylus. Yeah. 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 And, um, 
So I pulled that one out and did that. And of course, Pootie came up and was like, how do you know that song? I'm like, well, my mom played it on vinyl. He's like, that's my favorite song. He had it happened to be BW's road manager before he he got on with oh, Willie. Shit, that's so, awesome. So yeah, the score. And then he looks up at the at the he points up at a picture and it's him and BW Stevenson right. There. I'm like, oh my gosh, man. Wow. And so then somebody else came up and said, dude, you got to come out to Aunt Tilly's tomorrow night for the open mic, Rusty Weir's open mic. And I was like the rusty weir and he's like there ain't there ain't two rusty weirs out there man and uh so he had so, his own open mic yeah he had a well he did the thing at geno's for a long time he would host an open mic on hmm. after he did his saxon thing yeah. after that ended i feel like after the saxon i didn't see him anymore yeah because he moved out to lakeway oh, okay. and uh so by this time he was at aunt tilly's on uh, in lakeway which is out on lake travis and um, he would open the, sh- the, the open mic and he would close the open mic and he would hang out in between. So I went out and of course, the first time that I, I went, I followed like a 13 year old fiddle phenom. <laughs> what are you going to do? You yeah. know, just got to show up and play your songs. And he came and invited me back out That's the awesome. next week. And uh, we ended up hitting it off. I wrote a couple songs that really lit up the room. And by the, you know, I started getting gigs based off of that. Like my first ever paid gig was because of those guys, him and Zade West, who used to be his uh, manager, sound guy. And um, we would hang out and um, I eventually, you know, the big floods of 07, I think, or 08, whatever year that Lake Travis came back and just flooded everything. Uh, it was taken out. Carlos and Charlie was, was taken out, you know, all those little right, businesses right. out there. But, and then Rusty was diagnosed with cancer. And, um, so he had turned down a couple of people to come sing on his album, on their albums. Oh, you can't afford me. You know, yeah. just kind of like his not so nice way of saying no. Yeah. 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 But, uh, um, so <laughs> I can't afford it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. And I, I get why he said that to certain people. But sure. that, so I was like, hey, man, I knew that he had moved up to Frisco to be with his family again and uh, and, and get his treatment. And he was coming down to the Saxon. They brought him back in for some shows. And, you know, he got got back into that loop of playing, you know, for huge audiences and as a legend, as he should have. Sure. And um, so I knew he was going to be in town when we were at the zone uh, in Dripping Springs. And I was like, hey, man, just swing by, come hang out and maybe we'll put you to work. And he's like, OK. And so I kept telling everybody the first two days of tracking Harmony and John. And I was like, Pat working out there. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, Pat yeah, Mansky yeah. engineered the tracking sessions for that. And then he makes the record. I love him, too. He's a drummer, too. Another oh, great dude. drummer. Jesus. Yeah. And he looks yeah. like a young Johnny Depp. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> without the tattoos. Yeah. Um, but um yeah fantastic drummer and that's probably the least that's the most overlooked part about pat yeah because he's such a phenomenal he's he's probably produced records more grammys than a nursing home you know like i mean i don't know i mean he's done a lot of not produced but engineered Engineered, all that good stuff but anyway i kept telling all these guys that rusty's coming rusty's coming and he didn't you know, and it's just kind of like delayed. And then sure enough, all the session musicians and it's just me and Pat and Mike Morgan, who owns the place and my producer, John Greenberg, uh, we're all there. He rolls up and he comes in all stiff. 
from driving. He's got his, you know, velour jacket on, yeah. tennis shoes, and his iconic rusty weir hat. And he goes in and starts laying down bridge for uh, one of my tunes uh, on the first record. It's called Hungover Sundays. And he does a take where he yodels or whatever. And he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm rustifying it too much. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, that's why we brought you here. And so he just went with it. And he's like, and of course, he was a little nervous kind of after the drive a little bit. And then of course, with chemo starting the next week, he started chemo the Wednesday after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, hey, can we smoke in here? And Mike's not. Mike Morgan's like, not the legal stuff. And he's like, I know that, you fool. (laughs) (laughs) We gave him a couple puffs and uh, he went in there and did some magic. But, um, you know, when he passed away, it was, uh, you know, we'd all been out there when he was living out in the travel trailer out on Lake Travis. And now to to see, I think, 600 people at the Saxon Pub. I mean, we went to his memorial and inside and out, like the doors were all open. Yeah. You could still drink out in the parking lot back yeah. then. Yeah. It was just amazing. They shut down the music because the fire marshal didn't want people drawn in. And we ended up turning, like Kobe and Kobe was there, obviously. And John Arthur Martinez and Tommy Alverson were all hanging out and we're like, let's go start this up again. And so Kobe grabbed his guitar two hours after they shut it down. Still the same crowd wow. size and everybody was there. I mean, I could name yeah, 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 the names, yeah. but, um, and so we pl- we started playing again and we sang like, I don't want to lay this guitar down and yeah. just, you know, went, went, went for it. Yeah. And, uh, that was a good, but it was weird because like he had all these people that knew him from the past life and all the, the young dudes that were, doing the open mic we're like we're, we're all like man what do we do now and so i wrote that song just a cloud sort of like as a well it was for him it was like we all felt like we had lost this home base yeah uh especially after tilly's went under and then yeah. then the when he moved away and so we just felt like we were just kind of aimlessly going and um i wrote that song and uh that was for him beautiful song man thank you yeah well, thank you for sharing that story. That's uh, I I I loved that guy. I thought he was he was fantastic. Oh, yeah, dude. I know he thought he was way more interested in my ex wife than me. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I get that. <laughs> but he was always. It wasn't like he was ever rude to me or not nice to me. It just it took a lot for me to get his attention. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So you're you're from Texas City. Did you? Is there a doc? There's a documentary about like bodies buried in Texas City, right? Have you seen it? Uh, well, I started the, watching it one night. Close. Like it's on Netflix or something Yeah, like that. the Killing Fields over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, the Killing Fields are just up the road in League City. Uh, and I, li- City. I lived okay. at the end of the street in League City okay. where that that field was. Oh, I no lived, shit. I lived probably two or three blocks away from one of the main fields there. So Calder Road. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I lived on in a little subdivision called Pecan Forest. And then we moved to Texas City in 93, I think. Yeah. Is that, I remember seeing the preview for it and putting it on my list. Oh, yeah, I never dude. watched it. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I'd watch it. Yeah. yeah. What's it like growing up out there? <laughs> um, it's, it's cool. It's basically Houston. Yeah. You know, like you grow up in Houston and that's how you identify. Uh, Texas City is a small town, but not really. I mean, small compared to Houston. It's about yeah. 45,000 people. We had a 4A high school. 
For know? those listening that don't know, its loca- geographic location is in between, uh, basically in between Houston and Galveston, but like kind of by uh, NASA, by uh, Clear Lake. No, of. no, no. It's it's actually on the ba- Galveston on, Bay, on the Galveston. across the causeway from Galveston. Okay. So I grew okay. up on the water, basically, okay. like a block, two okay. blocks away from the bay. And um, so growing up out there, a lot of fisher fishermen, but it's the whole skyline is is uh, is oil refineries yeah yeah and so it's it's kind of you know that's that's what drives the economy down there so you smell the the smell it's the smell of the new high school it's the smell of the new middle school it's the smell of every yeah. you know why the the school district had so much money yeah <laughs> yeah but um it was really cool because we had galveston right across the way we would go see like the island mambo jazz kings play on the strand in galveston and where did they play? At Yagas? Yagas and, and this place called uh, the Rockin' Java. It's a coffee shop. It's oh, still, I, I played yeah, there. Yeah, it's still a coffee shop right across from the huge cornet. anymore? Yeah, they, oh, they do? I don't know, man. I, I've only played, only places I've played are the Old Quarter. I just played the Old Quarter Acoustic Cafe last month with Walt. Oh, really? It's fantastic. I've man. never played there. Well, we should go down there sometime. I'm That'd from that fun, area. Man. And uh, me and Walt played there. We, we sold out. Really? Um, a couple weeks, well, about a month before the show. So I was not stressed about actually getting down there and hoping that people showed up. Yeah, yeah. I just, I went into the green room right before they opened the doors because there was a line outside and I was like, and I, about 20 minutes later we go out to play and I'm like, holy shit, the place was full. And of course they make announcements not to talk during the set. This is a listening room, right, all right. that good stuff. And uh, so, pin drop, man. I got to play whatever I wanted to. And I was actually not intimidated by playing Song Swap with Walt Wilkins, you know, which is insane. I thought I'd be way more nervous about that, but I've known him for so long. And he believes in my work so much that I just relaxed and did what I do. And so, I ended up playing a little horn with him at the end. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Just accompanying him. I knew all the harmonies because I work as residency at the yeah, Saxon. Yeah. But um Galveston and the, the only other venue I've played there is the well the the historic Opry House with the Galveston Symphony. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's pretty awesome. Mhm. I think we did the Pines of Rome. But uh yeah, man. Dude, so. I played the Balinese room a couple oh, years before dude, it smashed before, into pieces. Oh yeah, my, my cousin gosh. I didn't play it like it was a Johnny gig. It was my cousin got married and had her uh Dude, or what do you call it there? And I sang the first few songs. So as far as I'm concerned, counts, I played the Balinese room. Counts because with Dean Martin and Sammy. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. We were we were all hanging out, dude. Well, and I used to work at Guido's. So growing up across, yeah, I worked at Guido's, the seafood restaurant. Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah. there for like 120 years now, more than that. Uh, I would work there in the summers, and so yeah. Can I blow your mind? Yeah. I lived in the woodlands from fourth to, to to ninth grade. Yeah, and then I moved here in tenth grade. But I, uh, in the woodlands, uh, in my homeroom from fourth grade on, Maureen Guido ah. sat right in front of me, whose family owned that place, and she is was a Durani in junior high. She was the person that showed me a photo of Duran Duran where John Taylor had uh, grabbed. Uh, uh, Nick Rhodes' wrist, and Nick Rhodes had a lit cigarette, and John Taylor was lighting his cigarette with Nick Rhodes, and I literally 
went and bought cigarettes that day and started smoking. <laughs> and now here I am still trying to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got the. All because of Maureen Guido. You know, thank you, Maureen Guido. <laughs> thank yeah. you, Maureen Guido and Duran Duran. Dude. Oh, and you said Durani. Like, and yeah. I, I wasn't thinking Duran fan. I was thinking Jimmy Durani. There's a oh, picture no. of him up at Guido's in there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was her mom's maiden name or something. <laughs> um, she, uh, yeah, there were Durannies at school. There, there were chicks that just walked around with like 16 magazine and yeah. they were just like constantly, but they were the cool ones. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Duran Duran, real cool. Yeah. And I had one of those choices like in, like when I very first started playing, I decided I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to have a band. I had like a month period where I just went and hung out with different people from different bands mm -hmm. at school. And the metal guys, they could shred. Yeah. But there was just dudes hanging out in the yeah. garage. The, the girls didn't have a Duran Duran band at our school. So I was like, guys, I found our niche. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I love dude. the music anyway. Yeah. But, but I was like, uh, I was like, let's be like a new wave band. Yeah, I was let's like do, cute let's dudes. Do that. Yeah, man. yeah. Let's be those guys. Um, yeah. No, and that—that's. Uh, I think that that's a good point. Like, and what I like about what the kind of music that I play is a singer-songwriter type. I guess what you would call it Americana. Yeah. Um, it. Um, it. People don't grow out of it. You know, like, no. I, I love my punk fans, yeah. my punk band yeah. friends, but they're playing like I, I heard you talk about it on the podcast. They're doing four to seven the other at an event, four to seven uh, the other day <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're all all the punk guys <laughs> are like, Richard, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all the punk guys. <laughs> they're are, all old. Now. Yeah. You know, and I get that. Like, but it's, you know people are more likely to come out and see a singer songwriter set. And, and when they age, like my parents would come to shows, yeah. but they wouldn't, if I was in a metal band, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah. That or, yeah, they've, 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 they've got normal hours now at Texan. They've, they've, no one starts at midnight there anymore. No. Um, we are looking, we're, you know, we're bringing in a new generation of writers in, in addition to everybody that, that still plays there. Yeah. And on Saturdays, they'll go a little late you know, go later. Um, but you know, it's, it's really important. Like I like to bring in, like, I, I always treat the musicians like, you know, regular you folks, but I, I like to treat them well. And I like to treat everybody well because yeah. I love that place. And I want everybody to love the yeah. Saxon pub and I don't want to be the guy that makes them not love it. Yeah. But you know, we come in and I see people that don't play there very often, but I know that they're musicians. Like, hey, come on in, you know, yeah. come you on in. To me one night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we, Remember, we I walked there up. From, you're like, sorry, dude, it's sold out to this dude. And from here, I'm like, it's sold out. And you're like going in. And I was <laughs> like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I mean, it, it, the cats, man, it's all for the musicians. Well, everything, thanks. everything that they do is you know, like they got the parking spots there. Nobody does that. You know, we've got a green room that's stocked with a couple of drinks, you know. It's, it's I always a, forget there's a green room there now. Yeah, it's it was an office for a long time. Yeah, and then yeah. they remodeled about uh, six years ago or so. Yeah. And added that bad boy. And I used to go in, back when I was in the day job world, I'd get off of work on Friday, go take a nap in the green room, and then work the Friday <laughs> night. So I was double dipping. I had 20-hour days and stuff. <laughs> Dude, that's so awesome! Your your love for uh, and reverence for this this community that we came up in 
you know, and you're keeping a musical tradition alive, which I think is really beautiful in that in that way. And listening to this record, there was a couple of songs that were back to back that kind of knocked me out. Let me write this down. Whiskey, I'm Gone. Yeah. And then The Sober Light. Did you quit drinking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five years I mean, ago. I figured. Yeah, 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 When I heard those songs back to back. Yeah, well, and, and, and I'd, I'd originally written the Whiskey, I'm Gone song about quitting whiskey. Because I thought, man, if I quit right. whiskey, I That's can stick to beer, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, no, nah, man. In the studio, we needed another half verse. And I realized that I just blamed the whiskey for everything. And I'm like, no, man, I got to own this. So that's where I whiskey, I've blamed you, I've claimed you've done this to me. That line came from. And so it turned more into a sobriety type song. But then the sober light was more, was originally written about waking up and being, oh my God, what did I do last night? What did I say last night? You know, and feeling awful. And then it kind of, and I wanted to write a song about the civil war because I was listening to a bunch of bluegrass and it just ended up being different, you know. Yeah. And it started at the southern side of a northern campaign. Yeah, I got burned to the ground, you know. I got absolutely burned to the ground by my, by all that. I hit rock bottom, and what, that's when I stopped. What was it that was rock bottom for you? Um, like, what was the bottom? Going to the hospital. Oh, shit, that's yeah. fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, and so I had to do a, a little bit of time in the hospital, like a night. And, uh, that's enough. Not, that yeah. was enough. And my wife was like, Hey man, it's, it's time to probably stop. And I was like, I was so nervous because I think that a lot of sober, well, a lot of non-sober musicians think that, you know, we think it's part of the thing, you know, like that's part of our personality. That's who we are. Uh, I, pl- I would drink before shows. I would drink during shows. I would drink after shows. Yeah. I thought that was my persona. Yeah. And then I came out of that went switched to you know drinking the topo and smoking the dopo yeah a little cali sober action (laughs) and uh (laughs) i wake up every day even when i gotta get up early like today um you know i'm fine i'm sorry (laughs) yeah no no it's all good i missed yesterday and i'm sorry about that but yeah so i i got sober and so uh, what I like about the track order of that is that they happen to be two waltzes on the record and they're yeah. right in a row, but they're completely different yeah. one before and after. And that kind of, you know, the record is set up. I, I got, I smoked a joint one morning and just sat out and listened to all the masters and I'm thinking about what order I want to go in. And it's very deliberate. Like the, it opens up with a song about yearning for more yeah. and wanting a little bit more, uh, stability yeah and then it ends with a goodbye to everybody but the, you know the wretch like me song is like the mission statement of the whole thing which is the second song right and then it moves in through kind of a journey and on my way is the fifth song and then it switches to whiskey i'm gone yeah sober light and it, it kind of goes through that part and it's it's basically a record about the one of the working titles was 10 long years because that's one of the lines in one of the tunes that's how long it was in between records well and it was just like like 10 long years of growth you know like from what i'd at that point i'd been with my wife for a total of 10 years and i i was a different person you know less self-centered um how old are you got married uh 30 i think 30 33 yeah (laughs) something like that i don't know what does she do she music she is a ultrasound tech Oh. Works for the hospital, uh, one of the hospital systems in the area. Splits time between Round Rock, Austin, and Bastrop. Four days a week, four tens. So she has three days off. Um, she's all about it. Yeah. 
what do you guys uh what do you guys do for fun mm. together you know uh, during the busy seasons like this like where i've been gigging every yeah, weekend yeah. and yeah. working like we we don't see each other much during the week because yeah. i'll get home and then i'll go to bed as she's getting up right. to you know go out but like every Friday that I'm off, we go to we go out to the restaurant. We went bowling a couple weeks ago. Um, so you're still married. I knew you had to do. There's you had to have. You must be making time somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but my favorite thing to do, our favorite thing to do, is nothing. Like yeah. Like I, I I'm you know I want nothing to do with you. But I mean <laughs> nothing to yeah. do. Comma with, with, with you. you. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so like um, I think. Like yeah, I like on a rare day where we don't have any work, either of us. Yeah, we'll just get up and let the dogs outside sit out on the back patio for two three hours, just being, you yeah. know, go inside, just be, yeah, you know, and just do nothing together and watch movies or I think it's Hallmark Christmas movie season right now. So, Dude, yeah. I just started going out with Jenny, but in the spring. Yeah, and she inform me that she is into the hallmark christmas oh, movies and you know what i i love them too Did you yeah and the reason i like it is <laughs> there's no complication to it it's all good and uh they make me mad oh yeah well it's just so so little conflict like you know what's gonna happen the whole way but it, and you could basically do a, a mad lib like pick a yeah of course pick a high profile yeah, yeah. job for a woman Pick a yeah. ex-boyfriend, dead, you know, dead husband, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. You there's, know. there's always a little, like, just, an angel involved. And there's, like, a meme <laughs> that's like, hey, man, you better tell your girl how great she is because some dude in her hometown is going to win her heart back at Christmas if you don't, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like them just because my wife loves them so much and... You know, we, we, we have, you know, and I'll just, I like to put things on because I'm so engaged all the time with people and music yeah. and yeah. performing and yeah. all that, that I just like to turn my brain off sometimes. Yeah. And so I'll put on a Hallmark movie and it's just kind of in the background and just kind of go about my business. But yeah, it's Hallmark season and Jenny's right. So yeah. Jenny's right. Yeah. Well, I might, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get to watch a couple. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't avoid it. If you're no. going to spend time with yeah. her during the Well, <laughs> the I think I might season. tell her like, oh yeah, I just had Austin on. He told me, it reminded me about this murder show I put on my list. She also likes murders. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah I, I think <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, true crime is one of those things that it's universal and I don't. It is. I feel like people feel like, you know. I don't know how much you know about my, my, my mom was murdered and there was like a show about it. But yeah. to me, that show's terrible. They don't tell you the whole fucking thing and right. whatever. But I still watch those shows like I yeah. didn't stop yeah. afterwards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll tell people sometimes, oh, did you see this murder show? They're like, you watch murder shows, dude? Really? You? You like, of all people? Yeah. Who yeah. does it? It's still intriguing. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's about the deceit, the ideas and all that stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't listen to it as much any, you know, to the podcasts because when I listen to podcasts, I like to want, I'm winding down for the yeah, evening yeah, yeah. and I like to have good vibes when I yeah, go to yeah, bed, yeah. you know, I have enough <laughs> bad dreams. Yeah, I had enough dreams where I didn't actually, where I, where I had murdered somebody. I right. did. I don't have a dream about the actual act, but like I'm on the run afterwards. Oh, yeah. Like I come in after the action there, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting that, that I, have any podcasts talked to you, reached out to you and no, 
No, because podcasts kind of started after yeah. that whole thing was a thing. Well, they, yeah, but I kind of missed it. Yeah, well, you know, it's all good. I don't. I wonder if there are because there's there's shows that I wasn't on about it. Right. That I don't. I never saw either. It's a hmm. weird thing. Yeah, I'll bet it is very weird. Um, it, it's weird to see it to see your life put into that context with like mm-hmm. commercials for soap and shit and you're yeah. kind of like you're like oh because and you start see, once you hang out for the making of it then you're like oh they need certain things to make it work yeah you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah it has to do this 15 minutes into the show it has to do this 20 minutes into the show and then the last 10 minutes have to do this it's yeah, like law it's and order f- there's like formula. a proceed- yeah well, it's a yeah. formula that you can kind of i think that's why people watch them so much because once you watch them you kind of, it's new situations, but in a way that yeah, it's dressed in a way that you you know yeah yeah and um, it's comforting. <laughs> well, and they gotta they gotta have the certain elements. It's kind of like a book has to have struggle. Right, exactly. I read a book where they where there was a pandemic and everybody was fine. Like, I mean, it was like yeah. no, like somebody broke their leg in the book, and I'm like, that's really the the big conflict here. Like, come on, yeah, man. It was so boring. Yeah, and I, you know, and I thought about like a season of like Sons of Anarchy where they just go to Sturgis and hang out, you know, right. but that would be boring too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, all right, so what do you have coming up? What do you got? This is going to come out sometime in the December. Like, yeah, um, we 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 just we, would have wrapped up. We've wrapped up our uh, on the house uh, with uh, Libby and Abby and Dylan from the Saxon Pub. Uh-huh. We do a uh, we've been doing a free show the first Tuesdays at ten, oh, cool. uh, where we just get up and play, and it's us. It's Wait, is that Saxon. tonight? No. No, no, no. That was, was last, last week. week. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I've got some stuff coming up. I've got a songwriter showcase in January on the 9th. Uh, having South Texas Tweak, Shana Sands, and Libby Johnson. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Shana's never played the Saxon, and I don't think Tweak has either. Uh, Except the Saxon? Yep. On, uh, so that's January 9th. Uh, then I'm also looking to bring in some other folks and line up that stuff. I've got uh, all kinds of stuff happening. And frankly, do you, my do you favorite work? part is I don't know exactly everything that's going to be happening next year. Right. You know, do you, uh, do you work with Mitch on his, the BMI ones? I've done, I've done one of those before Yeah. and I, uh, I show up, it's a free show generally, mm-hmm. so I don't have to be at the door, but oh, I'll show good. up and make sure that people have parking and all that for the eight o'clock band. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I see Mitch all the time. Mitch is cool. Yeah, he's really cool. Yeah, dude. are you a BMI guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because the the reason was because in oh nine or ten or ten, whenever I decided to finally register, uh, the ASCAP uh, application process was print and mail, and BMI let you just sign up online. That's funny. It's like, yep, millennial here. <laughs> I'm a. Uh, it's funny because I'm still ASCAP and he wants me to switch and I get it, but like, uh, it's real hard to get out of your thing. Really? Oh my God. Like they give you a window and then I miss it. And then they, you know, he's like, Hey, did you get out of your thing? And I'm fuck. It was in March. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. They give you like, you, you have like a window. I can't remember how long it is, but it's not that long. It's like your open enrollment for what insurance or whatever that yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But, um, yeah, he's doing great stuff here. 
Like I like his involvement with the community and having those showcases mm-hmm. means a lot to have that sort of thing. And I've, there's a guy, did you ever see Poet Hawkins doing one? Yeah, actually I did. I was in the swap with him. You were? Uh-huh. It's fucking great, right? Oh my, I love that guy. And I just, I want to bring him to back to the Saxon and do a songwriter showcase with him. I have uh, written just saw like him three songs week. with him. Really? Yeah, I think so. Dude, he's, I love him. Over the last Poet year. Poet Hawkins. Love him as a person, as a musician, as a songwriter. He's just all around. Yeah, and he's he's good. one of those cats that I want to have into uh, the Saxon, you know, all the time. Like, come hang out, come have some beers, you know, like That's make great. this make this your home, you know, home bar. Like, yeah, well, this is for musicians. Be come hang, you know. He needs that too. Like, yeah. he needs a, a strong. Like, he needs some some really great writers to be around to sort of like keep him engaged. Yeah, and and help mm-hmm. him lift his thing because he's he's so he's such a natural man. Oh yeah, dude. And I just saw him the other day, so you that did? was great. Yeah, last Wednesday. Yeah, a week ago. Yeah, were you playing? Just, no, he came in to to see one of the acts. Uh, I can't remember which one. I'm. I think I'm going to go see him. He said he was playing this Thursday at the San Jose. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool. early. Do you live in town or you live? I live in Thorndale. Where's that? So it's uh, east of Brown Rock. Okay. So it's about an hour outside of town. Shit. And um, but I, I I love it because you know working at the Sax in a couple of days gets me in town for the rehearsals. Sure. And things like this, like I'm here yeah. now. I'm gonna go run errands after this, and then I'll be at the Saxon later tonight. Oh to, shit! Yeah, you came in to, early. Sorry. No, 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 dude. Oh. I missed the appointment yesterday. Oh. I mean, that's fine. Like I own my mistakes, man. Oh, yeah, no, I wasn't mad at you. I didn't want to send you. I didn't realize that I didn't. I even told Jenny this. I was like, I don't know him well enough, but I just wanted to text back or write back, you'll never work in this town again. You'll never work in this town again. <laughs> I no, I missed, a, I, I missed another podcast, at one, a video one, and I was like, oh, my God, so bad. So I started putting that stuff on the calendar. I just didn't. Yeah. I guess I didn't register that it was confirmed. Like, yeah. but we're here today, yeah, man. It's and all... so I just sacrifice a few hours. But it's my Friday, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's my work, my Saxon Friday. Saxon Friday. My uh, my weekends, man. People are like, why aren't you ever here on Fridays? I'm like, I'm gigging, man. Uh, who's playing tonight? Uh, well, uh, Walt Wilkins has oh, right, his right. uh, Red River songwriters with him. So Kelly McQuee, Susan Gibson, oh, Josh Jesus. Greider, oh. and Drew Kennedy. So that, I mean, that's already got a lot of pre-sales for it. That's, that it does. That is just a, just a fine group of songwriters. Yeah. I mean, Susan Gibson and Walt Wilkins awesome. are peerless almost, yeah. you know, and, and unless they're together, yeah. you know, and it's just like, they'll get up and, and, you know, they'll, they'll all end. I think that at some point they'll all do a five part version of wide open spaces, which Susan oh, wrote, yeah. you know, golly, that's like hitting Hitting the home run, man. Yeah. Like for a grand slam right there. Yeah. Like, ah, that song. If I had a record label, I would sign Kelly. Oh, for sure. Dude, Kelly is... If, as long as she... Uh, and I, this is no slag on Kelly. But when she plays with Bruce Hughes and Chipman and uh, what... I'm drawing a blank on his name. The the, the pedal steel guy from the uh, from the Band of Heathens. Oh, Colin. Colin. Yeah. Colin Brooks. Colin Brooks. Yeah. Love that dude. And there's another guy playing guitar. It's, it is like the perfect, like you're just like, man, I wish I had the money to just send them on the road indefinitely. Yeah. You know, in the next couple of years, they'll be big, like making me money. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. And and that's that's a good Pat Burns, another oh, one like God, that. That guy's he's, fucking he's great. starting his residency again oh, on back. Mondays. Nice. So he's in the Kimmy slot, he's taking that over for the you know yeah. for the foreseeable future. And that's a the Chipman and uh Brian Patterson. Yeah. I mean it's just uh, that's I played a with them. Yeah? I did. Um I did That's yeah. right, that's right. You it, were there, you did a you did ago. a guest it guest appearance. Ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I did too. I did, did I think the next week or something like that. I did one and uh Yeah, that's a great band. Yeah, dude. Well, and they all learned Wretch Like Me cuz that's Pat's favorite song of mine. Oh, nice. And so we all got, I got up there and did it from the you know, I was working the door, got yeah. up, did it, yeah, got back, back down, the worked the door. And I love that. That's, that's the a, most Austin fucking thing in the yeah, world. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's such a tradition, man. Like Stephen Ray Will worked there forever. Yeah. yeah. And he would do the last set. He's get not, up. He didn't work there anymore though. No, he's tour managing. Sure. Out on the road. He tour I, he was a tour manager when I played with Bodines. Yeah. I went to uh to Vegas with him. Dude, he's he's an interesting cat. Man. He watched me get wasted, and then crank call a hooker and leave a message. And then when I was leaving, me and him, and I think Bucka Allen <laughs> went out after the show, and we went to some weird punk rock bar. And then someone had given me a thing, and I was like, "Oh, someone gave me this hooker's number. I'm going to call it." So I call, and I'm like, "Hey, man, it's Johnny. I'm just hanging out in Vegas, man. All right, give me a call." The next morning, like I was really drunk the next morning, I'm riding in an Uber with Bucka back to the thing. My phone rings and I'm like, oh, what's this number? Hello? Hi, baby. It's me, Melissa. Oh, <laughs> dang, dude. It was so funny. She called back. Oh, man. That is great. Yeah. Sorry. That dude, just, that's what I think of when I think of Steve. When you think of Stephen Ray Will, that's <laughs> what you think of. Him. Yeah, dude. Well, he used to play with the the Levers and all of his. No, ba- he's great. Yeah, and he he would get off the stage and take the trash yeah, out, yeah. and that's what I, I like to do. That <laughs> we do that on the we, we do the free show with on the house because that way nobody has to be at the door to yeah. you know to take the money. I just get up there and play, and then I get off the stage and I let the. The rest of the band run for mayor and yeah, do yeah, all yeah. the politi- you know, the nice shaking hands yeah, yeah. and and I go and take the trash out. <laughs> Just get going, <laughs> man. And it makes me feel like I really am part of that Austin tradition. Yeah. I'm like I'm like the most overpaid guy in in the music venues, man. I'm gonna delete that from the thing. No, no, I, I just feel like I feel like what they pay me is great, but I, I just love being there, man. Yeah, my friend Scott Collins was was working there yeah, for a while. Dude. Is he still taking any shifts or anything? No, no, not after the pandemic. But oh. he he was great. And I remember the first time that I saw him play, he showed up and he was wearing a red M M&M and M outfit. <laughs> like he looked like a red M M&M. and M. And it like took me about three songs to realize that Halloween was like two days away. So I was like, Oh, it's a Halloween thing for like the first three songs. I just thought he was a eccentric cat playing in an Eminem outfit. <laughs> oh. uh, Rosie's friends with his dog, Reggie. Also Rosie's friends with Mo Kelly McWee's dog. Oh, we do red bud sometimes together. Oh, I love, I love dogs. Me too, I man. love dogs. And you know, my wife, I didn't have dogs for a while because I lived in apartments and I could not trust my, with carpet and I didn't sure. trust myself to be there and yeah, take yeah. them out. Yeah, and, yeah. and my wife was like, I've never lived without a dog. And so we went, when we moved into the house we're in, we, we got the dog and, uh, we, we haven't not had one since. It's hard <laughs> and, to live without them once you have them in your life. Yeah. Just, you get into that groove of the responsibility of them and it's, it's, 
it you don't realize it until the, and i'm sorry about uh, oh this looks like that looked like uh i'm sorry that looked like a urn it does, like, it does. Yeah, i like the dog no, but- <laughs> i was like poor gaspard winkler I, I have a painting of my two guys that that passed on yeah. but um uh you know, I had a guest on here yesterday. There's this band called Love Me, and one of the girls' day job is taking your pet's ashes and turning them into diamonds. And the first thing I thought is, I'm making a fucking pinky ring out of both of those guys. Yeah. Because my ex has the, the ashes, and we've been talking about splitting them, but we don't know how. But I'm like, you know what? Just give me enough to make, to make a diamond. Right. So I can have a pinky ring of both of my dogs. Yeah, we've got paw prints. Yeah. We've got the... Well, and, you know, we had... Uh, we had somebody come to the house. To yeah, yeah. Oh, of that's the best. Like, was we, it that Casey lady? I'm not sure. Doorstep door vet. I mean, we live out in Thorndale, yeah, yeah. so it could have been. Could've I don't. Been I, don't, I, don't yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But she was great. They came up to the place. We sat out on the front porch with her. Gave her a treat and loved on her. And it was time. And it yeah. never gets easier. But no. I think that that's kind of what you know. Walt sings a song called "Dogs Man." And they teach us the circle of life because they only have one short life. So yeah. go out and shake and shake and shake in the sun. You yeah. know, like, it's, oh, man, dogs. Anyway. Yeah. I have a comedian friend that does this whole piece about how, like, you fight to keep your dog alive. And you do everything you can, make sure they don't go and burn over, give them the best food. And the payoff at the end of that is you have to call somebody to come and kill your dog. Yeah. Like you're the, you hire a hitman yeah. to take your dog out <laughs> at the end of the whole thing. That's your reward for being a good or, parent or, is you do it. Or the or, or even worse, if you think about it, like they always, like they get anxious when you take them to the vet Yeah, because that final time oh, yeah. <laughs> you actually yeah, do. No so you yeah. actually did what they were worried about the whole time. My last two, I, they were at home and it was, it, it's so much better. Man. Way Jesus better. Jesus Christ. And it's, it's tough, but it's tough, but mm. when it needs to happen, it needs to happen. And those people that do it are literally just the kindest, fucking most humane people. I just there don't are. like that. Is like the sweetest part of humanity, right there, man. They're yeah. just like yeah. I don't know how they do that. Like it's, I don't either. Mm. I right. mean, I, I'm glad we don't have to do that for Granny, but like you know, I'm, yeah. Also, kind of like my grandma's a hundred years old. They're, they're, she, she, she'd be hey, call the guy. <laughs> Let's go. This <laughs> is getting old. <laughs> yeah, dude. Wow, your grandma's a hundred years yeah, old. Yeah, she just turned a hundred in May. Wow. Yeah. So that means you're like, you still have like fifty years to go, dude. Oh God. <laughs> I, I mean yeah she's literally one of the most like if on paper her health my my friend my friend howard calls her the keith richards of grandmas because <laughs> she, she drank so much and took pills for years and smoked till she was like in her mid late 60s that's the blue zone right there man <laughs> yeah. that's what yeah she's like hey I'm, I'm in the zone i don't eat vegetables i you know Drink like a fish, fucking smoke like crazy. She took Valium or Xanax. My grandpa was a doctor. Since like whenever they came out, she started taking them every day. So like basically from like 1970 until 2021, she was on that shit every day. Wow. <laughs> Up until two years dude. ago. <laughs> anyway, Austin, dude, this has been great having you on. The record is called Bridges and Kerosene. There's also uh, the other record, Devil on My Shoulder. And uh, you're a fantastic songwriter. Thank you. And a uh, great artist. And I'm glad to see somebody carrying on the tradition 
of this great Texas songwriting uh, history that we have. Yeah, thank you so much, John. Yeah, really, good to have you. Gang, that's Austin Mays, his album, Bridges and Kerosene, available now wherever it is you stream and download music. See him January 9th at the Saxon Pub in Austin. Or see him just working the door at Saxon Pub. He's always fun to talk to. He's a sweet dude. He's a sweet dude. Find him at austinmays.com. Great conversation, man. I really liked getting to know him. Listen, gang, I hope you have a very merry, very, very merry Christmas. And uh, be safe out there. Happy holidays if it's not Christmas that you celebrate. Whatever it is. Just be happy out there on the 25th, 24th, 23rd, 22nd, whatever it is. Come on out and see Skyrocket. Enjoy it. Have a great, great holiday. And don't forget, gang, when you're out there checking out AustinMays.com and doing your, your running around on Amazon and shit, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts. We are dropping a, uh, a Christmas Eve uh, from the Vault episode. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's a big surprise. It's a big surprise. All right, listen, gang. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy, happy holidays. Enjoy it. Have a great, great weekend, whatever. Or, yeah, have a great weekend, whatever it is you do. And have a great holiday. See you on Tuesday. Let's get down. Same old bar in a different town. Different people, but the same old.